Hi, everyone. Welcome to Critique a Killer. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Kimberlea, and I'm joined with my co-host, Courtney. This show, if you're catching it for the first time, is all about true crime and murder mysteries, and we dive into topics that relate to both solved and unsolved murders, and we critique the killers, whether that's their mindset, mental health, or other circumstances surrounding their crimes. If you're listening live on the Stereo app, please note that you can listen to the replay on Spotify, and that's in case you've missed anything. And if you're listening on Spotify or any other podcasting app, just know that we go live every week with opportunities for the audience to chime in, which we will be doing next episode because this is going to be a multi-part series. So I'm going to pass it over to my co-host, Courtney, and she's going to provide a brief disclaimer. Okay. We mean no disrespect to the victim, family and friends of the victim, or anyone involved in this case. This is just information that we've gathered over the internet on a case that we care about, and we want to see justice in the end. Also, this is a true crime podcast and includes information about murders. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. That was really great. And that's true. This is a true crime show. So if you're not into that, you should probably not go forward with listening to episodes. <laughs> I'm actually going to do a overview of this case. But before I do, I just want to give you a little heads up of what we're doing for this series. We are going to take two different perspectives going forward. But because this will be a multi-part series, um, I just want to give you like a brief overview of how we're going to go about it. I'm going to be discussing theories going forward that lean towards her being murdered by someone other than her husband, who the public has pretty much pegged as the potential murderer in this case. And then Courtney is going to discuss theories on Alexis's husband, Tom Sharkey, being the potential killer. So that's what we're going to be doing going forward. But before we begin, I really think it's important for everyone to understand this case. And I'm going to be very detailed in explaining Alexis's life, because when we're discussing cases like this, I think it's important to know as many facts as possible. So I'm going to go ahead and start there. We'll get through as much as we can in the hour that we have allotted. And of course, Courtney will chime in on some of the things here, because we have been following this case from before Alexis was tragically found dead. So we have been following it since she had been a missing person. And unfortunately, she was found deceased. So Alexis Sharkey's maiden name was Robinault. She was a 26-year-old woman who grew up in Pennsylvania, and she had moved to Houston with her husband, Tom Sharkey, around January 2020. Her naked body was found Saturday morning, November 30th, after Black Friday. She was found from a utility worker, found by a utility worker that morning. She was a Monate market partner, and Monate is a company that's known for its social presence. They have social media ambassadors, and it's a multi-level structured company. It has hair care and skin care, and it relies on the direct sales model and social media marketing. I think it's important to note that both Courtney and I actually have personal ties to this case. It's very important for us to be transparent, as we've both tried the products, have used the products. And we've both worked the money business. We also have friends and mutual acquaintances within the company who are friends with Alexis. So we wanted you to be aware of that fact. Alexis yeah. was just one rank below the top of the ranking system within money. She was an executive. She was an associate executive director. And she'd been working for the company for about three years at the time of her death. She had a significant public social media presence on both Instagram. She had about 10,000 followers at the time of her death. But of course, because this is a popular case, she has gained a significant amount of followers after her death and is now around 77,000. She also has a public profile on TikTok as well as um, posting every day on her Instagram stories, which is very relevant in this case, which we will get into. But this is even still in her Instagram bio. It reads always on my story. So that's very important. She posted nearly every week on TikTok and she posted here and there on YouTube. However, she also had a more pres uh, private presence and less advertised personal Facebook profile where she posted more political posts in nature and she leaned Republican. She shared political opinions and viewpoints, which included information that Diminish the seriousness of COVID-19 and news stories critical of President Joe Biden. 
this is not to judge her. It's just to paint a complete picture of who Alexis was and what shaped the way she perceived the world around her. She graduated college with a major in biology. And from what I saw from her social media, she was at the top of her class with almost, if not always, getting straight A's, which I personally find very impressive for studying yeah. biology, right? Yeah. <gasps> very impressive. She planned to become a PA, which was one of my goals in my life as well that I never went forward with and neither did she. Um, after she graduated, she actually took a year off before starting uh, a physician's assistant program. During the time that she took off, she started working at a restaurant in Odessa, Texas, and the restaurant is called Twin Peaks. It's very familiar. It's very similar to Hooters. I actually worked at Hooters. Have you ever been to Hooters? Courtney? I have once, once. <laughs> chicken wings are really good. I'm not just being, I'm not being facetious. Like their chicken wings are really, really good. But she was actually engaged at the time that she worked at Twin Peaks. And I think you kind of know what that's a reference to, just like Hooters. <laughs> the Twin Peaks, baby. But she was engaged when she started working, but she was going through a breakup with her then fiance. And she ended up meeting uh, a man, Tom Sharkey, while she was working there. They eventually fell in love. And a side note that I do find to be very important, although I think that most people will think of being judgmental, but this is an observation. I've gone through every single one of Alexis's uh, Instagram posts from the time she was a freshman in college to the time of her death. And I noticed a progression in her alcohol consumption. And just in the last couple of years, her uh, drinking became much more frequent. She almost always had a drink in her hand on her Instagram stories and her posts. Uh, I don't know about you, Courtney, but I found this to be really relevant because I think it's a part of who Alexis was, what she did in her life. And I just wanted to get your viewpoint on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it's enough for us to notice that she always had a drink in her hand, then it had to have been a lot. And also, I can't help but think of if she was drinking heavily, like her her inhibitions could have been way down at the time that this did happen. So, yeah, I definitely agree. That's a good observation about her inhibitions. I really didn't think about that. I was thinking more or less that um, it had maybe something to do with her past because from what I saw, her family seemed to be religious. I'm not really sure, but it seemed they were a conservative family. And as she went to college, what I recognize is that, you know, like a lot of young women or young men, she started going to parties. You would see her very first drink on her social media profile and some of her friends asking, is that alcoholic or is that a virgin? And she was like, yes, of course it's alcoholic, something to that effect. So <laughs> like many college students, um, she got involved in partying, going to friends' houses, dorm dorm parties, and it just was very obvious that that was something she really took a liking to. I personally like to drink myself and probably have wine five nights a week. So it is not a judgmental um, uh, judgment. It's just an observation that I made. And I did realize that it got more, it got to be more of a steady part of her life going forward. Right. I also wanted to note that um, there was a Instagram post on August 18th, 2020, which was pretty recent to comparing that date to the time of her death in November. And it read, quote, Sunday brunch. And all I can see in this picture is my drink. Weird, right? Well, I never realized how much I was mindlessly drinking unless I stopped altogether. These pictures are a month old. And as I'm scrolling through my camera roll, I notice every picture I have out to eat always included a drink, even if it was 11 a.m. There was absolutely no reason for it, and it's not like I was even getting drunk, just continually ordering poison without one thought. Doing the 75 hard program really opened my eyes to how much I was, and we go out to eat a lot. I think she meant was drinking. I started reading Atomic Habits, and I can't recommend it enough. We have habits we don't even realize we have. The first step is to just be aware of them. Don't fall into a mindless action without making a conscious thought about it. Document it. Say it out loud. Write it down. And don't get mad at yourself. Just realize it's there. Then categorize them. Is this a habit that's serving me in the long run to become who I want to be? 
Or is it immediate gratification? I'm not someone who will never go back to drinking, but I'm done doing it out of habit. Having a few glasses on the weekend is one thing, but ordering it every meal and having a drink in the evening just because is another. We know it negatively impacts every organ of our body. So why am I doing it? I won't even have a slice of bread every day because of the health consequences. So why do I compromise daily on alcohol? Because I don't even realize I'm doing it, unquote. Okay, you know, she does have a biology background. She even has an Instagram um, from IGTV all about the toxicity of alcohol. But I find this post to be very bold, but also very telling as her habits really didn't change from what I could see. I mean, did they for you? No, that's exactly what, what, what I was just thinking is I feel like immediately after that, she was still drinking in every photo. Yeah. Yeah. And this to me is a sign of a struggle, but I don't mean that again in, ju- in a judgmental way, but we all know the signs of maybe a habitual uh, something in someone's life that, that is a habit that they, they struggle with. And she was being open about something that she called, you know, a habit that she wanted to stop. And I just don't think that she was able to do that. And we won't really know what was going on in her heart and mind, but alcohol is a very, a very, you know, prevalent habit that can turn into, um, what would we say? An addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for young people, it's something that, happens very often and it's not something we realize like she said but um this is an observation that correlates in my opinion to her actions before the time of her death and again i just want to paint an accurate and entire picture of alexis because i think that's really important and i truly do think this was something that she did struggle with so her and tom they met sometime in 2018 and he was around 37 years old and alexis was around 24 years old I don't see anything wrong with this, but a lot of people online, especially, they're very critical of their age difference. I don't find it odd, personally. I, I, I really don't think it's as relevant as people online want to make it. But, of course, I do have an opinion about it, and you will hear that later on. So, Courtney, what is your take on that? Well, I don't really have a problem with it. I see it as people more associated with their looks like how how good she looked compared to him and and I'm not being mean but she was very beautiful and attractive and great body and I mean he wasn't bad but it it makes you kind of wonder how he got her oh that's so mean I feel bad saying that but I think it's more that than the actual age but you do have to wonder I mean I'm not 40 he's 46 right he was 40 he was 47 at the time I okay met. 47 you'd, you'd have to wonder if you had a spouse that much younger than you would you be insecure like oh are they gonna find somebody younger and more attractive than me or you know someone that's more fun he might have been ready to kind of settle down and she's still wanting to go out and have a good time so yeah there is a lot yeah. of speculation about that there there is and 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 rightfully so because I do see your point. Um, he was previously married a couple of times, divorced twice, had children from a previous marriage. Not not sure if he had one or two, but I have seen a son that was in college, actually. So I, I believe it was college. I don't quote me on that. But yeah, I think there is the assumption that there could be some insecurity on his part, because like you said, uh, some people question the relationship. I understand where you're coming from with the looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she could have gravitated towards Tom for a lot of other reasons that younger women are attracted to quote unquote older men. Uh, they see them as a support system of some kind. Um, they have life experience. They're more mature. We don't know if the men <laughs> close to her age were just not into what she found to be of value. Right. Because we know she was pretty serious about her education and we know she was serious about working hard in her career. And there are still you know, 26 year olds, even 46 year olds that are much more into partying still. And they're in that bachelor lifestyle. So we don't know why they gravitated towards each other, but I know that they both really enjoyed traveling and from what it looked like, and and you can give your opinion on this in a moment, but it's, it looked like they were very much in love. Um, But what's important about that is we're looking at social media, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) 
So what were your thoughts? Did, did they look to you? What did they look like to you? Yeah, going off social media, it seemed perfect. You know, she would do the videos with the music and they're kissing and traveling and in the car having fun. But I'm very self-aware that social media is just the best of everything, pretty much. So you really don't know. But if you were looking at them, you would think, wow, they're perfect together. And maybe they were in the beginning. They seem to be. If you're just going off the social media, yeah, I think that they were in love. And I and I do honestly believe that they were at one point. Absolutely. I do too. I do too. And and we have looked into this case very extensively. And I understand that this is social media. We do always need to keep that in mind. We're living in a day and age where there's a highlight reel. But overall, from their videos and what I know about body language and things like that from my background in psychology... I really do think that they were in love and I've looked at everything from the comments that they made to one another, to their TikTok videos, their YouTube vlogs. And it seemed like they made a really good match, Mm -hmm. a really good match. Were you able to watch the video on the news about the coworker from Twin Peaks that actually set them up? Yeah. The one that wouldn't show her face. Yes. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I did watch it, but it has been a while. So I can't remember exactly what, what she said. She was really helping Alexis get over a breakup. I believe her name was Stephanie, but I can't remember. It's it's irrelevant. She was helping Alexis get over the breakup with her then fiance. And Tom would come in. He was a frequent patron of Twin Peaks. I don't know what that says about a guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be judgmental there, but I remember working at Hooters and we had regulars. And I'm just giving my personal experience with our regulars. They were a little bit creepy. Yeah. You know, it's just like they were single guys, a little bit older, wanted to kind of do the little looky looky at my booty and I and, and elsewhere. And I feel like I was very uncomfortable when the regulars came in, when they were just men my age came in for like a bachelor pregame or a sports game or something like that and wanted some really awesome chicken wings. And they were really cute. And and again, not to be judgmental, but I have personal experience working at Hooters, which is very similar to Twin Peaks. And I can tell you from my experience our regulars were creepy. They wanted picked with us and they would put our, their arms around us. And I was trying to be cordial because it is my workplace. But at the same time, we had a manager that was really strict about people touching us, you know, hitting our butt. I mean, those things happened. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did. And, you know, so we have to keep those things in mind as well. But I think they did make a good match. And the coworker said that Tom came in and would make her laugh. She had experience with Tom and she said that she really wanted to set them up. She thought they would get along and then they did. I I also think, and we've heard that Alexis felt safe with Tom. He reminds me of a lumberjack. I don't know if, you know, people on here have not seen him and they're not seeing what we're talking about, but he was pretty large. I would say, what do you think? Like over six foot? Oh yeah. Easy. Yeah. He was, he was a big buff dude. Very buff. I mean, people have accused him of being, you know, on steroids. We don't know that. There's a lot of men who can naturally get that big from genetics. And also, I was a personal trainer growing up, like when I was 19. It's been a long time. But um, we had people that were naturally very large because they were, I I just want to say, like overweight to begin with. And then they packed on the muscle and they had a hard time kind of keeping their physique toned if they were not heavier. So what they would do was they would be a little bit heavier, take the carbs. Um, eat a lot of food and then turn that into muscle. So I'm not going to sit here and make an assumption about a man. He is very big and muscular. We're just going to say that. And if you can imagine a lumberjack, um, you know, unlike some of the critical people online, I do find him attractive. I had an ex-boyfriend that looked very similar to Tom. He wasn't as old as Tom, but I think he had a really great physique. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially for his age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so I would, I would think that Alexis would feel safe. And we're going to talk about a little, a little bit into why maybe she didn't feel safe as in a very attractive woman online. So she could be drawn to to him because of that. And I saw pictures of him from years ago when he was much younger and he was very attractive. Hmm. Yeah, I did see some pictures. Um, so Tom worked as a contractor. He was in the oil industry as well as a construction uh, company that constructed glass bottom pools. He did this all over the world in hotels, as well as, you know, very expensive mansions. I would love to have a a glass bottom pool in in my house. (laughs) 
Yeah, they're the kind that when you come into the lobby of a hotel, you can actually see the bottom of the pool from the ceiling. Oh, so cool. Yeah, totally really cool thing. I've never actually – well, actually, I think I have seen one in the Bahamas in pictures, but I haven't been to one. Yeah, me either. So um, Tom – oh, I already said that. So Tom did a lot of traveling. And I think this is also one of the reasons why Alexis was drawn to a company like Monate because she was able to make money from home or anywhere she was. She actually explained this in her own words on an IGTV that was entitled Quick Wavy Hair Refresh and Life Update Chit Chat. And this was on August 26th, 2019. Did you catch that one? Yes, I believe you sent it to me. When yeah. she was sitting and on the floor? She was sitting on the floor. Okay, yeah, I saw it. She, I don't know if you remember it, but she was really thankful that she could live anywhere. She was saying yeah. that because, um, but because at the time of that video, Tom was working in other countries. He was um, doing, like I said, the glass bottom pools and she was staying with a friend and they also were staying in hotels because they were getting ready to move in together and they were moving to Houston. So this was, you know, it was obvious that Alexis loved to travel, right? And it was a passion of hers. Are you there? Yeah. Can you not hear me? Oh, okay. Sorry. Courtney, looks like it, something happened. But um, we're back on, I believe. Yeah, back I can on? hear you now. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So um, I think, you know, because traveling was a passion of hers, I really think she gravitated towards a company that does like the direct sales model and things like that. But a side note... Okay, this is going to seem judgmental. I'm always going to give a trigger warning or pre precursor, or like a disclaimer <laughs> that I mean, no disrespect. These are my personal opinions. You're here for our opinions. If you don't know us, you're going to get to know us. But, you know, she promoted a hair care product line and it's known to transform from your hair. I've seen it transform people's hair. That is not, you know, something that I'm going to be, I don't know, like putting anything forward with facts. But I've seen it transform people's hair, and that's how they promote it. So I remember telling you this, Courtney. I actually was, I was aware in this video that she wore pretty long hair extensions. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I was taken aback by that. I, she wasn't very transparent about that, and she was promoting a hair care product. So I'm an influencer. I promote products all the time. I'm very raw, real, authentic, transparent, and I don't promote products that I don't use and that are not effective in some way. So I found that to be something that I was taken aback about because I had been convinced up to that point, watching all of her social media posts, that this was her long, natural hair. Yeah, I thought so as well. I was blown away when you showed me that video. Yeah, you could see it, and not everyone would, but my mom is a cosmetologist. I've had extensions before, and... I will say in her defense, a year or so later, I saw another video. She took the extensions out. She talked about that they were removed. She admitted to previously be wearing them, but it's like, and her hair had grown out a lot. But again, I'm just making this as an observation. I just want this to be something that makes you understand that social media does need to be examined and things that can appear to be something can be other than the truth. And I think that's really important in this case because we're talking about an influencer. We're talking about someone that hit, had a broad social media presence. And it's important to keep in mind that what we see is not the true story all the time. What we see is only a, a sliver of what's going on in someone's life. Yes. So did you, did you come to that conclusion yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. With everyone. Yes, exactly. And again, not to be rude, these are just things that I think are very important to this case. Uh, eventually I gotta stop saying, uh, eventually Tom and Alexis, <laughs> isn't that hard? Yeah. They, um, they, um, oh my gosh, moved to Houston. <laughs> and I do want to talk about this because her apartment is a central, uh, location of this case. It's, it's very, it's very important to this case. She lived in a gated community. It was a gated apartment community. This has not been confirmed, but from what I had read, and I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Courtney, but they had previously moved to another apartment complex. And maybe if it was in Houston, I'm not sure. But they moved to this particular apartment complex because it was more secure. Did you hear that too? 
No, I did not know that. Yeah, she was very attractive. We've kind of told you guys that. She was a very attractive woman, very charismatic. Even in her photos, you could just tell that there was this air about her that was just so feminine. She just radiated with beauty, in my opinion. And it's very easy for a woman like that to feel, I wouldn't say unsafe, because, you know, I, I am an influencer and I have a lot of things in the public. And I wouldn't say that I don't feel safe. But for a woman like her, even if you're not an influencer, you can have men who give you unwanted attention. And it was said that she had a stalker. Now, um, this was previously to moving to this apartment complex where it was the last place she lived before she died. And I'm not sure if she meant a real stalker or a man that was bothering her, you know, asking her to go on dates, kind of maybe frequenting the same places. But I did see a post or two from people who knew her that said that even men at her new apartment would kind of flirt with her by the pool, give her unwanted attention. And this, in my opinion, could be another reason she really liked having Tom in her life. Yeah. You know, I, I told you I had a boyfriend who looked similar and um, he made me feel really safe. He would come to my side. I would say I would give him the eye like, babe, come save me. <laughs> yeah. These men at the bar and he would walk right over and they would just they would just run basically. So I really enjoy dating somebody like that because I'm 4'11". I'm tiny. Men would give me a lot of attention and sometimes it was very unwanted. Uh-huh. There's so many creepy guys. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, there are creepy people everywhere, but men tend to be creepier. I mean, if we look at the statistics yeah. on, you know, rapists, murderers, um, hate to break it to everyone. <laughs> right. It's men. Yeah. Not only was this a gated community, uh, but it was also equipped with security cameras. You needed a key fob to access the doors to each apartment. They were internal. So what I mean by that is it's not the type of apartment complex where the doors are on the outside of the building. Uh, Alexis and Tom also had a ring doorbell. So they had a camera. If people are not aware of what that is, it's a camera that's on your door recording sound and uh, visual. So you can see who's there. You can talk to them. Even when you're away from your home, you can access the ring doorbell through your phone. I'm sure pretty much everyone knows what it is, but I wanted to mention that. The pool area was in the middle of the apartment structure, and it was also surrounded by gates, one of which looked like it led to somewhere outside, to like a sidewalk or somewhere to the outside of the building. But keep in mind, even the outside of the building where the sidewalks were, where you could walk your dog, things like that, it had a pretty tall gate around the entire outside area of the complex. Right. I don't know if you noticed that too. Yeah. But um, there were three identical large apartment structures that were within this community, and they were all inside of this gated area. And it probably had hundreds of people living in this apartment complex. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think I've lived in one structure and there was like over 100 people. So what do you think is the estimate of how many tenants were in all three? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd say a couple hundred. It looks huge. It really does. There was multiple floors. I want to say like, what, four or, or maybe I don't even know if there was more than that. Yeah, I don't remember three or four. But yeah, the buildings were huge. And there were several of them. Yeah, I'd there were 300, maybe 100. Yeah, building, at least. I think it's important to note that there's a lot like I, you know, I don't live in an apartment complex. So and I purposely don't. I just, I get anxiety when there's too many people. And also I have dogs and other things. I don't really want to be living right next to someone else. And there's just so many people you can have problems with. It's just <laughs> a complete hassle, in my opinion, to live yes. in an apartment complex. But during college, that is where I lived. And people have made some observations that are, I think, lean more towards the negative. Like, why is a 49-year-old, because Tom was 49 at the time of Alexis's death, why was a 49-year-old living in a one-bedroom apartment like in a not so good part of Texas. What are your opinions on that? Yeah, it's odd. It makes you wonder how successful he really was or what was going on, if they were hurting for money or if he had bad debt, which could all be another motive for, you know, what ends up happening. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting that they did live in that in that kind of complex, because as we have been shown online, a lot of people think that Alexis was 
is making a lot of money. And because you and I have worked <laughs> the money business, um, I think we're, I think we have the authority and the experience to let people know that it is a variable income. And truth be told, unless you have a lot of things in line, you are not making a significant amount of money, even if you have a rank that ranks higher. And there's a lot of things that go into that. But as far as I'm concerned, I really don't think she was making maybe more than, I don't know, I want to say four or 5,000 a month, but I could be wrong. It could be 10,000. But they also had expenses. You have expenses for that business. You have to take trips all the time, do photos, be on social media, buy nice clothing, because you probably know this, Courtney, and maybe the public does too. You have to put out the impression that you are living a certain lifestyle because part of the multi-level structure of this kind of business is having people join your sales team. Yep. What's your estimate? You got to sell the dream. (laughs) You got to sell the dream. What's your estimate on possible income? I, yeah, I'd say four or 5,000. Which is still really good. Yeah. But, but that might be pushing it. Because a lot of people online have said she's a millionaire. I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it. Um, other people have said she makes, you know, 500000 a year. Other people have said she made $100,000. Um, it's not impossible. By all means, I, we will not know that unless we saw her financial records. But it is odd to me if you were making that much money that you were living in a one-bedroom apartment in not so good of an area of Houston, Texas. But to each their own. That might've been where they were staying until they built a house. We really don't know what their intentions were. Right. But be back to the apartment complex, there were actually three pools that were in the middle of each one of these structures. And I was thinking about this. I don't know about you, but I was wondering, I'm not sure if any person that was living within any of the structures, you know what I mean? Like if you were living in structure A and somebody was in structure B if you could gain access to like any pool area or you could get into any interior apartment doors. Oh, I wonder. Isn't that interesting? I was going to call there since I know yeah. which, which apartment it is. I was yeah, going to call should. there and ask. Yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Uh, there was also a large parking structure to the left of like all three structures. If you're looking at it uh, in front of you. And this was also accessed through a key fob. And or a code, and all three of the structures were were gated, right? So it was multi-level. They were all gated, large parking structure. And I'm not sure, this is another thing I wanted to ask them, if the structure was attached to the internal access point. I can't tell. Yeah, I don't know. Meaning, can you come and go through accessing the, the garage from, let's say, the pool area or somewhere... Or does it go straight into one of the buildings? I would really like to know. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I wonder if there are cameras inside the parking structure. Did you know anything about that? No, but I hope. (laughs) Right? It's going to be playing a role in this case. I think, like always, if you watch See No Evil on Investigation Discovery, a lot of times cameras are your only witness. Yeah, I assume there are. Just because there's cameras everywhere... And I mean, it was a a kind of a nicer, newer apartment complex. Absolutely. So I'm sure they did. I agree. Um, Considering that we do know, and we'll get get into this in in just a minute, we do know that there were security cameras on the building, but we're going to get into that later. Okay, we don't want to jump ahead here. (laughs) This apartment complex was known as more of a luxury apartment complex. As a matter of fact, they even have a TikTok. I mean, like a TikTok showing the lifestyle and out by the pool and fireworks. And it was a pretty nice place. Oh, fancy. Very fancy. (laughs) And I think they do that. Someone said on purpose because it's by all means, it's not a low income. That is not, that's not where I'm going. But uh, I did hear somebody online that like makes these kind of complexes and they market them with all these amenities because they want to distract from the point that they're in like a weird location. And as a matter of fact, it was a private complex, but it was located next to a pretty well-traveled freeway, the Katy Freeway. Mm-hmm. And it was just west of the Beltway. And it's called the Houston's, um, in Houston's Energy Corridor, which I thought was a weird name. Do you know why they call it that? No. Me neither. I didn't look that up. But I was assuming because it's a very industrial area 
Mm-hmm. Um, it had maybe something to do with, I had, this is going to sound funny, but like electricity industry or where there was some kind of, but that could be totally wrong. <laughs> well, possibly. I know there's a, there's a very, very big um, outdoor sanctuary, if you want to call it that, a huge forest area, which is very significant. There's a v- very big forest-like area that spans right outside where she lived to, I want to say, miles. Yeah, it was big. Very big. And I, I just wanted to get trails one. through it. It had trails through it, right? It had biking trails, walking trails, and even a way to access it in a way, a back way through one of the roads that was next to Alexis's apartment. Interesting. <laughs> yes, very interesting. This area was, like I said, pretty industrial in nature. It had random businesses. Some of them looked pretty old, in my opinion. It had Uh car dealerships, storage facilities, uh, and it wasn't an area where I can imagine anyone, okay, just like the normal average person living there, taking a stroll or walking to a restaurant. What about you? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, there was a little, it looked a little sketchy. It was sketchy and also had like an overpass, you know, it's it just, it's not like you would take a casual stroll unless you're walking your dog. You wouldn't say, Hey, meet me on the corner of Katie freeway and like whatever. No. <laughs> no. It's just not like you would an Uber. You would not, in my opinion, walk out there for any leisurely, uh, <laughs> reasons. No, especially as a girl, especially And I did notice, I I actually, I'm obsessive when it comes to understanding a case. And I took Google Maps and I went ahead and drove the streets virtually. So this area that that she was in was not an area that had a lot of restaurants and bars and things like that. As a matter of fact, it was about 15 minutes away if you drove where you would finally get to a outdoor mall. And it was called Houston City Center. And this was a pretty far walk. If it's 15 minutes driving, I would assume it's an hour walking, in my opinion. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So that is actually a very, it's a very important factor because this outdoor mall, it had like a movie theater, a hotel. There was a wine bar that Alexis and her friends went to frequently. It's called the tasting room. It was on um, several pictures on her Instagram. You can find her Instagram account. The name is Alexis Shirky. You can still see it. It's public. The pictures are all still there. If you want to do your own investigative research or any third party research that you want to do, but it is something to note and you can give your opinion on this in a minute. It was interesting for me to note that she tagged places like this that were nearby. Mm-hmm. Do you think about Not that? smart. Not smart. I don't know if it's just because I'm so <laughs> conscious about things like this and really into true crime and I know how easily things can happen. But I just can't imagine tagging a place. I think it's fine maybe after you were there. But even that's a little, a little sketchy if, if you go there frequently. Don't you think? I could not be more on point with that because I'm actually going to go as far as saying it's dangerous being an online personality and influencer like myself. I never, I never have ever tagged anything near my house. I never do. I never will. It's just too risky, in my opinion, because of my background and because, like you said, I watch a lot of true crime. Yeah, but Um, even me being not in the public, you know not a person that has big social media or anything. It, it still weirds me out. I just think it's dangerous all the way around. It is because I'm going to tell you why I have an opinion on that, but I will let the, the audience know. Um, my dad <laughs> has been in prison and he was someone who committed some aggravated burglaries. And he would always tell me that it was so much easier to do this when he had like as much information as possible, like casing a neighborhood, following someone. Um, And then his favorite, trying the doorknob. If it was unlocked, he would go in. So 
just so you guys know, I have some personal connections with crime. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, but not funny. But, it, it, you know, we're just talking the truth here. Yeah. She daddy, definitely did daddy not. gave you some pointers. <laughs> da- Daddy's pointing me in the right direction with the wrong, the wrong, the, the wrong, wrong direction. <laughs> dead end road. Um, she did tag things that she were nearby. And it's just too risky, in my opinion, because I really do think it could play a role in this case. And she definitely didn't hide where she lived because, or just in the sense of the area, because as a matter of fact, it only took me two hours to pinpoint her apartment from looking at the pictures of the pool area on her Instagram. Does, does that kind of prove to you that she truly was naive? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's just careless or t- super naive that, that nothing could happen to her. Oh, I have never posted anything around my house. I, I don't want anyone to see a street sign, zoom into a, a brick wall. <laughs> like, I just, I don't personally do it. That's to each their own. But it took me only two hours by looking at her pool area photos for me to compare them to places near that Houston city center. I mean, complexes near the Houston city center. And I found her exact apartment complex. What does that tell you? That anybody could do it. Especially someone with ill intent. Exactly. Yeah, it's so easy to find find people online. But all you need it's is one. It's scary. Picture. Very scary. It's scary. And then something that I brought up to you, Courtney, and I think it's a really good point. You guys can let me know what you think, especially because next time we're going to open it up for everybody to talk and ask us questions or just give your opinion. But the hashtags are now searchable. We, we know they're searchable all over the internet. And if you were frequently coming through, like, let's say you're a truck driver and you're frequently coming through the Houston city center and you did want to find a vulnerable woman, why not search a hashtag and see who frequents it? Yep. So true. I mean, if I were someone with ill intent and I try to put, we do critique killers here. So we try to put our mind into the mind of a killer. And I just got to tell you, hashtag searching would be a go-to tool to find out who is nearby. And there's a lot of individuals, and this will come into play, there's a lot of individuals that are very much um, passing through areas. Yeah, which is easier to get away with a crime. Absolutely. I mean, there's a case I'm going to be talking about on my YouTube channel probably a few weeks now when I start up my true crime again. And it's going to be about a truck driver who utilized the ability to go through these different cities and not really be leaving a, a trail. No one would have known he ever killed multiple women unless he admitted it. So it's just, it just goes to show you that there are people who just pass through these areas. Yep. But going forward, when Alexis and Tom moved in together, they were actually married at this time. Weren't they married at this time? Mm-hmm. So they moved in together and Alexis wanted to make some new friends nearby because in this day and age, we have technology. It makes us, we were just talking about this. It makes Mm -hmm. it really easy to, to find new friends. And she used an app on her phone called Bumble BFF. If you're not familiar with this app, I'm just going to say it's a, it's like a, it's like the dating version. Bumble dating version is, you know, connecting you with somebody you want to date. Bumble BFF is the same thing, but it connects you to friends nearby. Have you ever used it? No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks. Hard pass. Hard no. I have enough friends. (laughs) Right? So this friend version lets you fill out a bio just like you would on a dating site all about yourself, what kind of friends you're looking for, your interests, your hobbies. And then you get matched with people with the same interests that are nearby you. That's the point. It's like Tinder. You know, it's like somebody that's in the vicinity Um, I think it's interesting to note that this was something I found interesting. Alexis was very familiar with technology. She used social media. She used all kinds of social media. But not only that, she's not afraid of connecting with strangers online. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, totally. But it's just different. Well, you were a stranger online that I met. (laughs) (laughs) I know. 
but our story's different. We weren't we weren't searching for friends. You know what I right. mean? It kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We we met online, guys. Um, <laughs> but it just it's just something I want to note that she was very comfortable connecting with people she didn't know online and through apps. And with money, when you are representative, I know that market partners use Bumble BFF and similar apps and they use it to recruit people to their teams. I don't know if you know this, but um, Alexis did, but I mean, that she probably did. I don't have firsthand knowledge about whether she did, but I have firsthand knowledge that this is a common practice because like we said, we've, we've done this type of business before. And either way, Alexis ended up matching with two girls who coincidentally, okay, were from the same friend group. So like, the two girls she met were already friends within the same circle, but neither one of them knew that they had both matched with Alexis on Bumble BFF. So that's, that's so crazy. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a small world in a way, like a small area. You guys are both in the same area of the same interests. Right. The girls that she matched with, their names are Tanya and Kendra. And if you are following this and you're taking notes, the names are going to be really important because there's a lot of players in this whole situation. So Kendra and Tanya were the two friends that she matched with on Bumble BFF. And they matched with her around January 2020, but they didn't meet in person until a month later in February 2020. So they had known Alexis under a year before her death. And I want you to just give your opinion on that. That they didn't know each other that long? Yeah, just under a year. Yeah, it just makes me wonder how much they really knew each other, or how good of friends they were. You know, I guess it depends on how much time they spent together and what they shared. Or was it just kind of a surface level friendship? Yeah, did, that's what did I... neither one of those girls did money or Kendra did? No, neither one of them neither. did money. Okay. okay. Right. So she had met some other girls in the area. We'll get into their names and everything after this. But she did meet a couple other girls in this area that she hung out with as well. And Tom referred to all of her friends as the seven. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to get into the seven. But these are two out of the seven girls. And seven meaning six besides Alexis. She was part of the seven. So um, she did match with Tanya and Kendra. And the funny thing was they met for a dinner. And Kendra and Tanya planned a dinner for the girls that they had met from Bumble BFF. Neither mm -hmm. one of them knew that they matched with Alexis and both of them invited Alexis to this dinner. Did you see pictures of that? No, that's really cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought that was really cool. It just goes yeah. to show you that they really did have things in common and they ended up being, well, quote unquote, good friends. They definitely had enough in common where it seemed like they like to party. They kind of like to live that. Um, I would say the social media kind of fun, take pictures of things. Let's kind of show our lifestyle type individuals. Yeah, I agree. And from what it looks like, you can give your own opinion on this, but from what it looks like, all the girls to me, they look like they could be friends with me. I mean, nothing really looks peculiar or creepy or weird or like, too unusual or out of the ordinary they just simply look like girls in their 20s or 30s having a good time yeah yeah I agree so Alexis shows up without telling anyone that she's coming uh this right here shows me that she does what she wants she's very independent she has no problem being by herself coming to meet people she doesn't know <laughs> this is just it's just something I I observed Anything that you think about that, or is that just no? A I mean, I kind of, I kind of admire it. I, I don't think I would do that now, but probably when I was, how old is she? Twenty six. Yeah, I think you're a little more careless and just go with the flow. And also because we can check, we can check someone's social media. Like we know if someone has a fake profile for the most part. I'm not saying that that's a, a tried and true. But we can kind of tell if someone's legit or if they're just faking it. Like if they don't even have Instagram stories and, and like yeah. four posts, they're going to be like, girl, you don't even show your face on Instagram stories. You're not real. Right. So, and they were in a public place. So, you know, that makes it better, too. That's absolutely that's absolutely true. It was actually a sushi restaurant and it was a sushi dinner. And there were four other girls 
And this was one of Alexis's favorite foods, which I think we could really get along. Honestly, there's a lot of reasons why I think that Alexis and I would get along, but we don't really need to go into all those. <laughs> but she was very intelligent. I value education. She, she was known as one of the most intelligent out of her friend group. They would come to her for advice on a lot of different things. And like me and you, because you and I are a lot alike, she wanted to dive into everything. She wanted to know about things. And anyone who asked her a question, she would go above and beyond to research it because she was interested, but also she was a, uh, a wealth of knowledge to her friends. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. She does remind me of you when they say that she was really into furthering her education. That does remind me of you. And she had, you know, her different degrees or whatever she had studied in. And also, I like that she formed her own opinions. I really respect that in people. I really respect that. And what I do respect is no matter which way you lean politically, being able to be proud of your beliefs, regardless of if someone's going to judge you. Now, I've seen a lot of judgment come down on her. RIP, that is not cool. Like, I get it. But she's deceased and it is okay to make observations. But I've heard a lot of cruel things um, about the fact that she voted for Trump or she was going to vote for Trump. Not that she voted. She was not alive at that time, but that she was, you know, leaning towards that. And I will say no matter what, if someone is able to take a stand, even though they're going to be persecuted and made fun of, I respect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Because it's harder. It's harder to give your opinion if you know that so many people are going to come down on you about it uh, yeah I've been there <laughs> let's not go into the cancellation yeah. culture that we don't have exist. enough time it does exist doesn't exist but you know what we mean uh you can definitely have the feeling that people are kind of getting down on you uh on social media it is so much more prevalent you would not say the same thing to someone's face as you do on social media there's a book called um, it's by Brene Brown. It's called Braving the Wilderness. It's hard to hate someone up close. Right. But I, I love that she loves sushi because that's one of my favorite foods. Mm -hmm. And she also loved raw oysters in a half shell, which I love. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you don't love them? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't do any seafood. No. Ooh, I love it. I wish I did. I've tried to acquire a taste for it, but I, can, I cannot do it. I appreciate that. Everybody's got a different palate. And by the way, guys, if you haven't heard our episode on prison inmates' last meals, you should definitely <laughs> check it out. Yes, Speaking it's food. <laughs> and the reason why I bring laughter to these situations and I honor, I, I feel like I am honoring the victims when I do talk about their lives. I always talk about someone's life when I'm discussing their death. I think it's very important that we know who Alexis was. I would want someone to say these things about me. I would want them to recognize my favorite meal. I would want them to recognize who I was, my belief system, what I loved about life, what I was good at. To me, that is respectful. It's okay to, to smile and say, you know, I love the same foods as Alexis. It helps me feel connected to her. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So Kendra and Tanya were the two friends that she connected with. And just to give you a little background on them as well, I think it's important to know who we're speaking about. Kendra had also recently moved to Houston, and that's why she was using Bumble BFF. Um, and Tanya had already been living in Houston. She was a mom, and she has said that being a mom, she didn't have a lot of time to go out and go to meet new friends, but she wanted to meet a new group of friends. She wanted to make a new group of friends and form a new group of friends. So she was the leader in putting together this friend group. She also has a son that's probably close to my daughter's age. My daughter is nine. So he looked about the same age. And mm -hmm. she said that she wanted to make new friends, which you, Courtney, said something interesting about. You brought up that Tanya had already lived there a while. So you were curious as to why she was trying to form a new friend group. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of when she said I was looking for a new group of friends. It's like you've lived there your whole entire life, your whole life. You've lived in the same place. Like, wouldn't you have lifelong friends? I know when I go back home to where I'm from, I have the same friends that I grew up with. I don't know. I just find it odd that she needed a, group, a new group of friends because, I mean, it's one thing if she was getting away from a bad group. I respect that. But you, I still wonder... Like, why did she need a new group of friends? I'm really curious about it. 
In case the listeners don't know this, there is a lot of speculation that her friends had something to do with her death. So that's why we're giving an opinion and a perspective about her friends. I mean, no judgment towards any of her friends. As a matter of fact, I've spoken to Tanya, um, not on purpose. I actually stuck up for her in a Facebook group because there are a lot of Facebook groups that have formed about this murder. And I was in one and Tanya was getting brutally hated because she has had plastic surgery. I've worked in the plastic surgery industry. I do not think someone should be judged on their looks. I think it's a good, you know, way you can observe and make, you know, observations about someone. But I think it's totally shameful for someone to use the fact that someone has had plastic surgery to give a give a judgment call on their whole entire personality, their intent, what they want out of life, that they're jealous. It's just mind-blowing. 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 In this day and age, in this, and we're in 2021, guys, and women are being judged by the way that they look. Yep. Being called for her. I really do. Being called slut, being called um, a killer. I mean, literally, people have accused her of murdering her friend. Now, of course, we don't know. This is an unsolved murder. But the fact that they were making these attacks upon her looks, I said something. I said something. And I've had plastic surgery and I, I Me just, too. <laughs> yeah, I just do not appreciate the fact that a woman is being just made fun of because of something like that. So I said something and you know what? Tanya wrote me and she said, thank you so much for sticking up for me. And I really appreciated her saying that. And I just had a little back and forth, nothing major. We didn't talk about anything related to this case. I don't know if she would be happy that I'm talking about this. Um, but I haven't, I haven't mentioned anything because I don't think it's of importance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you did that and that she saw it because think if everyone was attacking you, it'd feel really good to see somebody stick up for you. Oh, absolutely. And I'm a mom and I can relate to wanting to look better as you get older. And she is in her thirties. Not that that's old, but I'm in my later thirties and I do everything and anything I want. If I want to look a certain way, I'm going to do it. Who cares? Does it make you a murderer? (laughs) Right, right, right. It's like I went <laughs> under the knife. I wasn't holding a knife. <laughs> like, come on. Right. It's like the correlation doesn't exist. But I just I know we're coming up on an hour. I I know this is a not the best stopping point, but at the same time, going further, we are coming up to a point where we're going to get a little bit more into the the weekend of her death. And her friends and everybody else play a very important role because they hold information on their phones, on their social media accounts that are going to be evidence and are evidence in this case. Now, we don't have all the evidence. The police have not even made a statement. They made like one statement in the beginning that they said, hey, when we're closer to understanding what's going on in this case, we will make a public statement. It's never happened yet. It is an ongoing investigation, which is very important to note. And there have not been any arrests made. So that is why these are only theories, speculations, and they are not, you know, truths, if you will. Right. We're still waiting. (laughs) We are still waiting. So I hope we gave you uh, enough facts at this point that you can start to get familiar with this case. If you're interested in following along with us next week, we will be doing another live and that one we're going to let people actually call in. I mean, it's not a call button. You can see it. If you are on the stereo app, there's a little voice bubble looking thing with a play button on there. We will explain that in our next episode, but we do want to hear the opinion of the public. We won't do that for long. We'll leave it for the last five minutes or so of that live stream. And I just want to note that the next episode will, because we're stopping here, dive into who some of her other friends were, what they liked to do, how and where, you know, she had been found and how she died. Go over some of the autopsy report. Um, We don't know everything, but we can give, you know, manner of death, how she died, where she was found and those details. And then as we move forward in this multi-part series, we will get into our theories on who we think killed Alexis Sharkey. Yes, can't wait. I I really enjoy that we're doing this. This is only, I think, what, our third episode? 
yes fourth third oh maybe it's our fourth I think it's our fourth yeah either way we are so happy to have everyone here we really do thank you for being here and following along on our journey into podcasting and true crime we really do appreciate it and we will be excited to see you next week yes happy easter everybody happy easter and we will see you soon thanks for listening bye bye